the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35. He said, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord the best with as few distractions as possible. Say distractions. That's what we're going to talk about today. Does anybody remember in the mid-70s when disco was the thing? Some of you already dancing. (laughs) Well, I was probably... 10, 11, 12 years old, somewhere, don't do the math, but I had the bell bottoms. Now, you remember the bell bottoms? I'm talking about if they didn't cover your whole foot, then you didn't have the right jeans on. They had to go out, and then they had to be so long that they drugged the ground. Remember, and if they, they wasn't good if they weren't frayed on the bottom. Of course, my feet were so big, I couldn't find any big enough. To, <clears throat> but I had some big ones. And then I had the silk shirts they, that you could get a silk shirt with anything. I had moons and stars and rockets and all kind of stuff. And they had the big Elvis Presley collars, you know, and you'd, you'd have to wear them unbuttoned all the way down to here, you know. <laughs> I, I had the gold necklace. I had everything but the chest hair, I'm telling you. <laughs> because there was a little teenage discotheque that we could go to and they didn't serve alcohol, they just served drinks, but they had the disco ball and they had the music playing. You can ring my bell. You remember all that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I was in it. I was in it. I remember, I remember dancing by myself out there. I didn't even have a partner. I didn't care. I was, you know, all that stuff. We, was, we all wanted to be John Travolta. And then y'all remember... Uh, Rick Dees, the local celebrity radio announcer or whatever, he came out with a song called Disco Duck. Anybody remember that? Some of y'all are looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about now. But I loved that Disco Duck song. In fact, in my sixth grade talent show, me and two other guys did a, a, a dance to Disco Duck. <laughs> and I, I may or not have done something like, like this right here <laughs> for about like three minutes during the whole song. I don't know. We had, we had some little routine. I think at one point we turned around and came back and came forward, but then we went back to doing the Disco Duck. <laughs> fads. Say fads. I didn't take the time to look up what a fad is in the dictionary, but I wrote my own definition. A temporary derailment from reality. (laughs) And so today's message is entitled, Disco Distractions. Remember that word in that, that scripture we just read? He said, 
with as few distractions as possible. He wants you, this is for your benefit. He's not trying to place restrictions on you, but he's saying, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord the best with as few distractions as possible. You see, Jesus wasn't distracted by disco balls or discotheques. He didn't follow a fad. Jesus followed his dad. Can we say that again? Jesus didn't follow a fad. He followed his dad. And a lot of Christians need to make up their mind whom they're going to serve. Jesus was determined to make every second of his life count. He knew the importance and saw the big picture that you just get one life. This is not a trial run. We don't believe in, what do you call it, reincarnation. You get to come back and try again. No, we get one little life that may be 100 years or so, maybe, but it's going to impact all of eternity. What you do with this one life impacts all of eternity. Jesus said at 12 years old, just as a young boy, he said, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? Boy, that's a big statement for a little boy. But he knew at 12 the importance of being about the Father's business. In Luke 4, 16, it says Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Jesus went to church regularly. It was his custom. Why? Because he must be about his father's business. In Luke 13, 32, it says Jesus replied, talking about people who's trying to keep him from going to a certain place because of Herod trying to kill him. He said, you go tell that fox. I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will accomplish my purpose. See, he, under, he was a man who understood he had a purpose in life. And he was busy about accomplishing it. It don't matter if somebody's trying to kill him. There, you know, when you're trying to accomplish your purpose in God, there's always going to be somebody trying to stop you. Boy, have I found that out. But you just keep going. Today and tomorrow, I'm going to keep on healing. I'm going to keep on casting out devils. I'm going to keep on preaching the gospel. And I will accomplish my purpose. If God be for you, who can be against you? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. you got to believe that God is bigger than your adversaries. And if God be for you, what are they going to do? Nothing. He said, yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must proceed on my way. For it wouldn't do a prophet of God to be killed except in Jerusalem. Jesus was ever moving towards Jerusalem. He was ever moving towards his cross. He was moving towards the day that he could say with all finality, it is finished. He finished his course. He had run his race. Ever moving towards it to accomplish his purpose. Are you? How serious are you about the Father's business? 
You say, well, I'm, I'm just a regular person. We're all just regular persons. But I mean, I didn't even know I had one. Well, you know now. I just told you. You have a purpose. Are you serious about it? There's a, a video I made. And, you know, when, when somebody gets saved, we'll give them a gift bag. And one of the things in it is a little URL, URL address to the video I made. And it's on our website if you want to watch it sometimes. I think I called it, what do I do now? You know, I got saved. What do I do now? But in the video, there's seven things that I talk about. Uh, what, do, what do you do now that you know that, you, that, that you're saved? What do you do now? Well, you pray. You read your Bible. You go to church. Are you listening? I feel like I'm teaching Sunday school. You read. You pray. You go to church. You get involved in church. Make it your custom. Because he stood up to read as he regularly did. and He must have been involved. He must have had responsibilities in the church. Then fifth, uh, to share your faith. You can't sit on this good news. It wouldn't do. If this building was on fire, you're not just going to run out the door and save yourself. You're going to run to the back and tell the children so they don't burn. You possess the words of eternal life. You got to do something with that. And then get water baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus commanded us to be water baptized and he died so that we could be filled with more of him. And in his power, we wouldn't just be mere mortals down here and just operating in our own little puny mind strength, in our own will, but in the, in the power and demonstration of the Spirit. We would walk in the fullness of what God has. But I closed the whole thing as those are seven things, that's seven things you learned in Sunday school, I understand. But we're not doing them. You didn't do them, that's why you're just now getting saved. Okay, now you got saved, do them. But this is the one main thing. And all these things are just part of doing the main thing. Is you gotta, your, your main thing in this life, I don't care if you've been serving him for 50 years or you just, today you're going to get saved. Is to, to ever be moving closer to Jesus. That's it. Stay close to Jesus. If you walked out of here today and you forgot everything I said, just remember, my job is to stay close to Jesus. If I, will, if I want to stay close to Jesus, then I'm going to talk to him. That's called praying. If I'm going to stay close to Jesus, I'm going to read his word, the, word, the letter he wrote me. If I want to stay close to Jesus, I'm going to go to church where he told me to go, where I'll have other people help me. And the relationships that he has established for me to walk in on this earth. I'll do what he said. I'll get water baptized. I'll demonstrate. I'll share my faith. All these things are helping you. And that one main goal is to stay close to Jesus. Because you see, for many Christians, their Christianity seems like a fad. Because they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. What happened? And you can't say that you don't know somebody that got all excited about getting saved, but now they're not in church anymore. They didn't get close to Jesus. 
They thought it was just an automatic thing. They did not take their responsibilities and their purpose seriously enough to engage and to develop a true relationship with the master. You see, a disciple is not somebody who believes the doctrine, but a disciple is someone who walks with the master. That's so true. I'm glad you got a lot of head knowledge and you go to a lot of seminars. But you got to walk with Jesus. That's the most important thing. 1 John 5, 21 says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. It doesn't say that might take God's place in your mind. But he's supposed to have a place in your hearts. But as humans, we're prone to disco distractions. <laughs> we're like, Dory and finding Nemo. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Oh, there's a shark. I'll go this way. Just keep swimming, swimming. Oh, what was it I was supposed to do? Were we supposed to find somebody? Oh, that sounds too hard. I, I, I just, we'll just keep swimming, swimming. And we just, we go through life avoiding responsibility. Avoiding anything that might grow our character. Avoiding faithfulness because it might cost us something. And we're like little Dory Christians. And we occupy all our precious time with things that really don't matter. And we get on that big highway that leads to nowhere. And many there be on it. But who is going to get on the straight and narrow? Who is going to pay the cost to walk with the boss? Who is going to get on the straight and narrow? We won't slow down in these lives. I mean, the devil has it out there just rigged so that we don't have to slow down and think for a moment. To deal with our own thoughts for a moment. It's just easier to swipe our way through life. And I've often said, if you, just ten minutes of quiet meditation. Just get alone 10 minutes and think about your issues and, and you can solve 90% of your problems that you've been plagued with for years and years with just 10 minutes of, you cut the TV off, just uninterrupted meditation on it. Think how much you could do with 10 minutes of prayer and then listening to the voice of the Lord. It wouldn't be 90%. All, there would be nothing impossible for you. I'm telling you, I'm not telling you what I think I know. I'm telling you where I come up with my messages. I'm telling you how we're leading this church. It's quiet meditation and letting the Lord speak. But some of us don't know anything about quiet. We sleep with the television on. We never drove anywhere without the radio on. And our, our ear space is just... Numb down to the, if God was speaking with a megaphone, we wouldn't hear him. It's like we're scared of a moment of mental clarity. Afraid that we might have to deal with difficult situations in our mind. 
or unwanted emotions. We're like the Grinch when his heart began to grow. I'm feeling. Right? Oh, I don't want to feel. I just want to, I just want temporary pleasure and distraction. I don't want to actually feel anything. <laughs> Isn't there an app for this? Somebody, somebody give me an app real quick. Isn't there a TV show that I can binge on or some kind of medication, maybe a glass of wine perhaps, to dull this clarity so I don't have to think for a moment? Is there a dessert I can eat to make me feel better? <laughs> a swipe of a screen to give us that blast of dopamine. <laughs> Are you trading your life for a blast of dopamine? You know what I'm talking about? The little drug, it's, it's scientific. That when you see something that triggers, you know, you, Facebook, that's the draw. It's an addiction. I'm not saying it's inherently evil that it can't be used for good, but come on, some of us have are so addicted we can't set our phone down for a moment. And I didn't even mean for the service to go in this direction, but hey, maybe that's where we need to go. Are you trading your calling of God for a blast of dopamine? You have an opportunity to go pray or you have an opportunity to veg out. Which one are you choosing regularly? Some of us hadn't prayed in years. We have mentally ascended that we're Christians, but we really have no relationship with Jesus. We have traded a relationship for a blast of dopamine. Forget growing through the hard times. We'll just pretend they don't exist. But I got news for you. Tribulation comes to all of us. You either deal with it or you put a band-aid on it and pretend it don't exist and it just gets worse. Then you really get overwhelmed. Meanwhile, if we would let God have his way, he would be developing our character through the issues. But if we don't face the truth, the truth won't make us free. You say, well, I, don't, I don't want that pain. I don't want, it's hard. I know it's hard. But guess what? There's always joy on the other side of the pain. There's always joy on the other side of whatever you go through. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The joy that knowing you're walking with the Lord, the joy that knows you're meeting your responsibilities, you're being who you're called to be, you're not running from your life, but you're walking with Jesus through this valley of the shadow of death. And there's joy that stirs up in somebody who's meeting their obligations and is manning up, is womaning up. <laughs> The outcome of your life is based on what voice you're following daily. Now some of us are following God's voice daily, but some of us only follow God's voice on Sunday mornings. And that makes for a confused heart. We're confused, we're double-minded. 
It's an underdeveloped heart. We think all our problems are going to go away because you go to church on Sunday, but we're not prepared when the tribulation comes. We don't know who to turn to. We don't know how to pray except for when we get in an emergency situation. And then it's too late. We're not prepared. We're not preparing our hearts. Isaiah 30, 20 says, Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, He will still be with you to teach you. Well, I don't like to see scriptures like that. Who gave us the adversity? Some of you are going to sit there and say, that's not my doctrine. What's it say in the King James? Somebody got it? Read it real quick. All right, that's good, that's good. So it was in the King James. It's still that the Lord gave it. Well, that's something you don't hear preached every day. The Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. You shall not... Go back to the new living for me. Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, He will still be with you to teach you. Maybe He's given it to you to teach you. Maybe he's trying to get you somewhere, and just like you gave your children chores, just like you set up situations for your children to learn the hard way, maybe God is just tender and caring enough to develop our character and not leave us little childlike Christians. But he will be with you to teach you in that. You will see your teacher with your own eyes. Go to the next one. Your own ears, you will hear him. See, it's something about, some of you know the hard times you've been through. And we wouldn't want to do it again. It's like, we pray, God, please don't make me go through that again. But most of you would agree that you're glad that you did go through that. Because you wouldn't be who you are today if you wouldn't have gone through that. And you wouldn't have drawn close to Jesus to get you through that. And God, if he doesn't bring adversity sometimes, this whole world would just dopamine themselves into oblivion. We would say, why would a hurricane come? Why would this happen? Well, maybe he's just trying to get somebody's attention. No, I'm not the old, old pastor said the hurricane's coming and God's sending it. Maybe time, space, and dimension clash sometimes by themselves and just God uses the adversity. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not God, all right? I'm not trying to set a new doctrine right here. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. But in the adversity, if you will seek the Lord, your ears will hear Him. He'll stand right behind you and say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. He will show you what to do in it. He will speak to you. And I'd rather live a life of travail and misery and pain and have God in the midst of my situation than to live in the biggest mansion on the hill apart from Him. It's just me. 
Esau. The boy had been out hunting. He comes home. He's starving. His belly's calling his name. And his brother Jacob is in there cooking a bowl of stew. He said, give me some of that stew. He said, wait a minute. Give me your birthright. And I'll give you a bowl of stew. And Esau, what does my birthright matter when I'm starving to death? He wasn't starving to death. Come on. He ain't been no 60 days without food. A man could probably live 40, 50, 60 days without food if he had to. He just been out hunting. He ain't dying. But he despised what was important to God to satisfy his belly. His natural appetites was more important than his calling from God. His birthright. God said, I hated Esau. Jacob have I loved. Look that one up for yourself too. I didn't make this stuff up. But he hated the fact that, that Esau did not care about the things that he cared about. That he only cared about meeting his fleshly needs. And we're becoming a, quite a fleshly society these days. When's the last time you fasted? That's just something we don't talk about much anymore, is it? Well, ain't you glad you came to church today? The pastor's really just hammering you on the head. We trade God's calling for worldly pleasure. What about the prodigal son? <laughs> that dude wanted his money. He said, take me down to funky town. He got disco distracted, didn't he? He ran off and blew all his money at the disco. Found himself in the midst of the pigs. That's all. That's, that's what we do. Some of us, we just want all the worldly pleasure we can get. We just put God out of our mind and we run off. But a lot of times those people will get to the point where they'll come back. They'll come to their senses because the wages of sin is always death and they're always heading for destruction. So they get to the end of themselves, then they come back. But what about the other brother? He thought he was good. You never gave me a fatted calf. You never gave me a party. He was just misinformed. He thought he had it all together. He thought he was doing good. But all along, he could have had a party too. Some of us just, just we work and we, we do the things that the society tells us we need to do, and that's good. Meet your obligations, pay your bills, raise your children, provide for your family. That's good. But what is that without a relationship with God? What is that without ever consulting God about what, what, what am I supposed to do? What was I created to do? What are the gifts and talents that I'm supposed to utilize for your kingdom? It's great that you're building your house, but what about building mine? He could have had a party too. You know, I always wanted my life to count. When I was growing up, I, I wanted to be famous at football. Then I wanted to be famous at baseball. Then I wanted to be famous at music. I wanted to be famous. I thought you had to be famous for your life to count. I never got famous. 
Thank goodness. I'm glad I never got famous, but I always knew that there was, we're supposed to strive towards something. Something inside me said, you can't, do you know people that just, their, their desire in life is just to sit on the couch and veg out and have somebody else pay all their bills? If that's you, come on, wake up. I mean, really. You, you must not have any sense of your worth or value. No, we have, we have a calling, you see. I didn't know where to find my real life, but I knew there was one. I didn't know where it was at, but I was looking. And some of us have looked for love in all the wrong places. Now we done moved over in the country. Looking for love. Now, and, and we've been hurt. And, and we tried to be this and, and then we give up. But have, but, but you haven't looked in the right place. Colossians 3, 2 says, think about the things of heaven, not the things on earth. See, we were looking for earthly glory of, for ourselves. But it says, for you, once you get saved, you have died to this life and your real life. Say real life. Did you know you have a real life? That's what you've been looking for. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You'll never find it apart from him. We've been preaching on Colossians and on Wednesday nights, you know. I just can't get past this scripture. I, it says it so beautifully. You have a real life. And how many few there be that find it? Because it's on the straight and narrow. The good news, the rest of your real life can start today. It's all about your decisions. You get to decide whether... Where you go from here. You can go out in the parking lot and you can go that way and run into a ditch. Or you can go that way and go to Goodman. Your life is a culmination of your previous decisions. And life must be lived on purpose. See, Dory only found Nemo in the movies. You don't accidentally find your calling. You seek God. You follow God into your destiny. Be like me telling you, let's all go to Greg's house. None of us know where Greg lives, but we all get in a car and just start driving. We can drive to the cows come home. We'll still be just driving. And that's the way many of us live our lives. Come on. We're just driving, hoping we step in, stumble into our calling. It ain't happening like that. You have to be intentional. Now, I preach every Sunday or most Sundays down at the jail to a room full of guys in yellow jumpsuits that all have good intentions. 
But intentions ain't the same thing as intentional. You got to act on your intentions. What does the banner say over here? We're here to come and learn so that we may go and teach, making true disciples who will take up their cross and follow the Lord. Now, our intention, and we can be intentional about making disciples, but you have to be intentional about being one. We can't make you be a disciple. We've tried that. You cannot make anybody be a disciple. Jesus didn't shy away from his cross. He knew why he was here. And true disciples don't shy away from their cross. They take it up daily. And they follow the Lord. Joy is on the other side of your cross. Weeping may last for the night. But joy comes in the morning. When you're pregnant, I understand it hurts almost as much as a kidney stone like I had. I'm sure it was pretty tough on some of you ladies. While you're in labor, oh man, yeah, I don't want to ever do this again. But when that baby is born, you forget. You don't let the kid forget. <laughs> what you went through. I brought you into this world. And I can take you out. <laughs> it says Jesus endured the cross because of the joy on the other side of the cross. He was willing to suffer because he knew his suffering produced the day that you would come to him and make him the Lord of your life. And that you could take up your cross and you could experience the same joy that is awaiting those who will follow the Lord through thick and thin. Through this valley. Hebrews 12 one says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, that's what we're talking about, a life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. All the things that don't matter that are cluttering your life. Especially the sin that so easily strips us up. Trips us up. I mean, it goes without saying that sin ain't going to lead you to your calling. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Not the race that you imagine you want, but the race that God has set before you. Run with endurance on that path. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Isn't that what I said? This one thing. Ever drawing closer to Jesus. Keeping your eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects your faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Disregarding its shame. 
Now he is seated in the place of honor by God's throne. The Bible says because he was willing to go to the lowest parts of the earth, God has highly exalted him. Given him a name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess to the glory of God that he is Lord. And if you'll humble yourself and walk your straight and narrow and you'll carry your cross and you'll do what you're supposed to do, God will highly exalt you. Even as Jesus hung on that cross. And I know, I can only imagine that dying would feel like a relief coming. I imagine he was sitting there, when is this going to be over? I'm not putting words into Jesus' mouth, you understand, but I know what I would be thinking. Just let me breathe my last. But he held off dying until all that was written about him could be fulfilled. Every jot and every tittle, every prophecy, until it all be finished, until the knucklehead next to him stopped railing on him long enough to get saved. You know, both thieves were railing on him at first until one of them finally came to himself. I hope you're the one that comes to yourself. To whatever degree you're resisting Jesus, I say, stop being a knucklehead. To whatever degree that you're resisting your calling, stop ridiculing your salvation. Humbly receive what Jesus did for you and start living the life God ordained for you. It won't be the easy road. Let's finish in Philippians 3.10. It's not the easy road. Philippians 10 says that I may know Him. That's awesome. Let's just stop right there. <laughs> what, me? Who am I that I could know God? I'm just one of seven billion little ants down here on this little baby planet. Who am I that I could know Him? That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. But there ain't going to be any resurrection if nothing dies. Can there be a resurrection if something hadn't died? It must first be a dying before there can be a resurrection. And you must die to your life and to your thoughts and to your ways. And you must die into self. You must be buried. Bury that old man in baptism so that you can be raised to a new life. To your real life. You can't have both. You can't serve God and the world. You got to choose this day whom you're going to serve. That I may know him and I may experience the power of his resurrection. The same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in your mortal body if you're born again, the Bible says. But to experience that power, you got to die to self. 
You got to choose the spirit over the flesh every day. It's the voice that you follow every day. I want to walk in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Most of us never get that far in this verse. But see, there's fellowship in suffering. I told you. If there was no suffering down here, we would dopamine ourselves out of a relationship with Jesus altogether. We wouldn't need him. It's something about us that we won't come to him unless we have to. And our suffering down here is God's alarm clock. It's saying, wake up. And then there's the suffering for the gospel's sake. Pastor Vickers disrupting his life and going to Uganda to speak to people he never knew, never, never met before, to give his life and his time. There's, there's a suffering for the gospel's sake to get this message out. To, there's a suffering that takes place when you're here early at church to do your function and you stay late while everybody else goes off to the buffet. There is suffering when people persecute you and say all manner of evil about you because you're a Christian. But it says you should be glad that you're suffering for His sake. For great is your reward in heaven. See, we're not, we're not people that are earthly minded. We're heavenly minded. Our real life is hid with Christ in God. And the fellowship of His sufferings don't run from your time on the potter's wheel. Don't run from the situation that you're in. Face your responsibilities. Meet them head on and grow from them. God is molding you so that the same comfort He comforts you in your suffering, you can use to comfort someone else. I wish I could just say, man, you receive Jesus and you'll be rich and you'll live in a big house and you wouldn't have no problems. But that's just not the reality. Hardship comes to all of us. It's about who gets back up. It's about who stays in the race. Who keeps running living this life of faith who keeps overcoming he's made you more than overcomers more than overcomers because he's with you in it he's with you in your sufferings and I'm not making light of anybody's sufferings some of us have been through enough of them that we ought to be comforting somebody else and theirs not wasting what we the comfort that we have received <laughs> stout message but I don't want to be accused of filling you with hot air 
I want to see you succeed. Because see, those sufferings is going to destroy one person. It's just going to make you stronger. When hard times come, you're in the crucible of life. God's passing you through the fire. And you ain't like the wood and hay and the stubble that's going to get burned up. You're going to come out refined gold, silver, and precious jewels. You're going to have crowns to cast at Jesus' feet. You're going to live a life worth living. You're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And every disciple is like his master, willing to take up their cross, follow him day by day. Bow your head and close your eyes. Brother Chad, I love that those songs y'all played today. Could you play that second one? What does it say? Take my heart, what? I give it all. Something along those lines. Sing that for a moment. While Chad sings this song, I'm not just going to babble on. Let's just listen to this song for a moment. Maybe during this song, you'll know what to do. Take it all, take it all, my life. 
podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.